Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Edward's Review. Man, 15th, 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 15th of October. Alright, uh, okay, we're going to do another different spin. Uh, this is actually a classic uh, for those who already read enough Stephen King to know that some of his work is already classic. Uh, but this particular one, this one like took a double whammy at me on this one, so... Alright, so the film is The Shining. Back in 1980, it's a psychological thriller uh, directed and produced by Stanley uh, Kubrick. Uh, Of course, it starred with Jack Nixon, Shelley Duvall, uh, Scatman, Scatman, Ghost Crow Daughters. And Danny Loy. Of course, this is based off of the novelization by uh, Stephen King, uh, which uh, Kubrick also co-wrote with another novelist uh, named Dion uh, Ardina, uh, Dina Johnson. And, of course, uh, this is the same... Uh, featured as the title book so let me explain about this movie uh starts with our character uh jack torrance uh he's an aspiring writer but a recovering alcoholic who accepted a position to be an off-season caretaker for an isolated but historical overlook hotel in the colorado rockies with both her wife wendy and their young son danny uh, Danny has this gift, of course. Uh, we all may have seen the movie. If not, uh, spoilers. And, of course, uh, this over- overlook uh, literally had a bunch of, uh, well, ghosts, if you will. So, throughout the uh, whole thing, we uh, know that we've seen like many different things, many you know, thoughts about this one. Uh, of course, uh, the famous scene would be the uh, red blood, uh, uh, the uh, elevator. Uh, this basically uh, this basically has like a tutorial thing. Also, the uh, nude lady uh, scene as well. And of course, this is uh, somewhat based off of the. Uh, original original uh, landscape of the o- Oregon uh, Portland Portland Oregon um, the uh, Timberline Lodge here's the thing with the setting all right because the outfitted of the whole thing it's only the exterior shots that's only been known majority of the interior shots on the other hand was done on a performance stage uh, in their uh, studios comparing to the outdoors of this wonderful uh, wonderful area near uh, Burhamwood, uh, Hertfordshire. Uh, well, this is the stage uh, that they filmed it in. Outdoors, it deals with um, 
the Timber Lodge, Timberline uh, Lodge uh, in Oregon. So, of course, uh, and throughout the film, you know, we're visiting some sort of weird psychological thing. Uh, the room 237 should be, like, dawning on some of us, uh, you know, some of us uh, people right here because there is, like, a supernatural thing happening uh, in that room. Of course, that's the, uh, you know, what scene. And, of course, this brings uh, Jack back into his uh, drunken stoop. He's he's feeling stress. He doesn't feel comfortable. He's, like, going back on the bottle, going back on the bench. So, of course, um, as his wife, Wendy, is trying to figure out if he's doing okay, if he's doing well, she stumbles upon a typewriter uh, with the... Um, with the uh, saying of, hey, um, no, all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Which, which, by the way, uh, that prompts us to giving us, and I'm sorry for that chime if you heard it. That prompts us to, <laughs> that prompts us to the uh, scene where she's going to bap him with a bat. Of course, you know, it, it's not... To kill him it's to subdue him because he's going a little crazy he's going a little nuts so. and then you know he feels like that's a retaliation that he should you know take it upon himself to go after his wife in the same manner that she's trying to do to him so he goes to chase after her with an axe and of course you know he has this feeling about his son so he he literally is Go and chase him after him, and we are going to our famous hedge fun, uh, hedge maze scene in the snow, where it's causing him to retrace his steps, but leaving Danny or leaving Jack uh, in the cold. Of course, Danny and Wendy are joined together, and they uh, haul it out uh, with the snowcat, which is this little uh, machine that can be driven on snow and snow alone uh, due to its uh, structure. Leaving Jack to be frozen, uh, giving us this ominous uh, look that Jack uh, became a ghost in the uh, July 4th, 1921. Now, uh, for this film, uh, I understood a bit of Kubrick's style, his, uh, his intention, his detail of provo- provoking uh, something that instills horror and worry and during this and during this time you know it's like really something new also uh this film that kubrick uh, made uh it was used on what we all know now in the cinema is our new steady cam system which we've developed over the years from then but even so the whole you know style of it not being shaky or not doing anything weird uh that gives us the reason of our characters to be performed in the scene uh of course uh with steady cam work uh that would be with a person who's holding the camera real steady or having it on top of a platform for someone to control 
as also as either the director or the camera operator is looking for uh, the uh, viewfinder or a monitor attached to it therefore they can get the capture and shot as they uh, go along so of course uh, with this being Kubrick's you know run uh, definitely there was a lot of debate there was a lot of discussion uh, there this movie literally made one of, one of the hundred years of thrillless making uh, Jack Torrance our 25th greatest villain in the hero's villains marker and uh, this in itself uh, was uh, was actually uh, dubbed in Martin Scorsese's uh, list of 11 top scariest films of all time. I mean, if you have the idea of how uh, Stephen King felt about the thing, uh, here's the thing. He didn't feel that Kubrick did his book justifiable in a way and he felt that it was a little too dark a little too too uh, deranged in a way and he didn't felt like that was his um, that was his cream of the crop that doesn't feel right for him even though uh, between Kubrick's uh, take and King's um, motivation writing, uh, there was always a key difference between one another because not all, uh, not all directors and or writers, uh, who put these things together, uh, put the right amount of material in for the, uh, feature. Which, yes, if any of those who remember seeing something like in, like the 90s, or um, or something like towards like the late uh, late the nineties, early two thousands, so to speak. Yes, uh, there was actually a miniseries uh, based off Stephen King because during the time, uh, ABC was doing a lot of like renditions, all miniseries uh, during the time uh, because a. Because they noticed that there was a success when they did uh, Stephen King's own first miniseries back in 94, uh, The Stand. And that's like a, I think a six, four part um, movie. Uh, which I I believe I'm remembering has Gary Sinise, uh, Rob Lowe, um, our gentleman who plays Patrick. And, um, oh, I forgot that, uh, one actress, uh, she is one of the Brat, uh, Brat Packs, uh, back in the 80s. Uh, oh, Molly Ringwald. There we go. Um, due to that success of that miniseries, they decided to do it again with The Shining, which they made it, uh, as a three-part, uh, horror episode miniseries, but, uh, Instead of Kubrick being all part of it and all that, it was uh, Stephen King being the executive producer, and he felt that the take of this version uh, was up to par for him. That uh, we noticed that Denny's manifestation of his shining not only uh, predates going to the uh, hotel, but also 
prompts Danny to try to practice or try to hone in or tap into more of his ability. Therefore, he can do it proper and more. Of course, we also have uh, Steven Weber. Uh, for those who may or may not know of him, uh, his recent work was in iZombie as the uh, Season 2, Season 3 villain. But I know him best uh, by uh, the TV series Wings. And also, uh, and believe it or not, uh, you can look this up. Dracula Dead and Loving It. It's a Mel Brooks film, and I love how he plays uh, the one character that is in love with Mina, but he's like a doty, you know, a doty fiance, you know? Of course, uh, we also have Re- Rebecca De Mornay, uh, a fantastic actress and marvelous girl. And her works is extended from the late early 80s up until late 90s. And her work is phenomenal. Uh, heaven, heaven rest. Uh, of course, we have uh, a young Will, William Samuel Worf. Uh, he's one of the uh, young actors back then, but uh, even so, um, the work uh, that he portrayed uh, as Danny in that one, that was, like, great. Also, um, the miniseries actually promptly mo- show more of uh, Jack's uh, alcoholism more uh, because he's trying to kick his binge in a way. Uh, at the time of how this is like crazy and totally different. And Lord knows that during this time it's like it's you know. It's prominent in this version instead of the 1980s version. Uh, of course there's always a, a debate among uh, filmmakers. Even myself uh, half the time when I see uh, works that are being remade. And it's a give or take on how better uh, after be retold to having it be, uh, you know, repeated. And even so, half the time, the majority of it does happen, happen. Uh, After 97, um, because these are the only prominent uh, versions of The Shining that I would actually highly recommend because I don't I don't recall if there was another one but even so I wouldn't promptly do that one because that was like uh, a little bit you know distressful or you know deranged or it pretty much leaves a nasty uh, taste in my mouth so to speak but we never hear anything about The Shining uh, until there was a novelization of the sequel for The Shining, which Stephen King wrote back in 2013. And this is, was during his time that he's still writing books, he's still writing short stories, something to keep him busy, you know? And Stephen King promptly um, made a sequel de- uh, adaptation for Dr. Sleep. Now this is a uh, this is definitely how uh, King assumed that this is his work on many things, and again he served 
uh, on Dr. Sleep as a executive producer, I believe. Uh, directed by and uh, written and screenplay by Mike Flanagan. And his work uh, is like Abs- uh, Absentian and Oculus. Oculus is more prominent as well as Hush. Uh, that film has a character who uh, who lost their hearing. And it's like crazy. He also directed the, uh, I think, sequel to Ouija, Origin of Evil. No, so we, we know what kind of happened to that one. But uh, for Dr. Sleep, uh, we're brought to an adult version of Danny. Instead of just, you know, instead of seeing how Danny grows up. So, of course, you know, uh, who plays Danny is, <laughs> is Hewan McGregor. And Hewan McGregor is a fantastic uh, actor. He, he's portrayed so many roles. Some of us already know him by him being uh, in Big Fish, uh, Beauty and the Beast being Lemire. And uh, for some of us who are somewhat hardcore fans in a way, we all know him as Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, from the great Star Wars. So, uh, yeah, for this uh, particular film, uh, yeah, we are set in years ahead. Uh, this promptly is different from the book in itself, in a way, uh, since this was 2019, written for the novelization that was back in 2013. So, of course, uh, we are we're seeing almost a repeat pattern. For Danny because his father is also a recovered alcoholic and this also prompts uh, Danny to be such as well and for him to deal with his demons sorry to deal with his demons he does a lot of things to do to uh, done many things um, he finds himself going away to uh, another town just to, you know, try to find some solace, some privacy. But he finds himself right in, uh, on a wall that is psychically linked to another child or another person that has the same gift as he does. Which promptly gives us the uh, whole uh, the whole thing. Uh, ironically, there's a group more like a cult uh, of people following people who has the same ability as both Danny and uh, a new character uh, that brings us to uh, to the film uh, um, Abra And she pretty much has the same deal as Danny does. She immediately has these abilities. Psychically, she talked to many things as well. Uh, throughout the film, they're trying to figure out like what's going on, how they're doing on their day-to-day basis. And then she tells Danny that there's someone looking at her. And... Uh, 
And this cult is the true knot. K-N-O-T. And Danny feels that he needs to stop this this leader of the group, uh, which is uh, Rose the Top. Uh, Rose the Hat. Which she immediately sends them, and there's like how they how they consume uh, the person is like they take uh, take them over and all that, and it's absorbs some sort of steam that comes off of them, and then sucks the light. Literally, it feels like hocus pocus on the whole thing. So it's like really, really. But uh, even so, um, in this final climactic battle between. Danny and Rose, um, this ability that Dan- Danny developed over the years, he was able to capture the ghosts that haunt him, and then lock them inside sort of sort of uh, a psychological box, which upon releasing, uh, they attack Rose, depleting her of her life and all that. But sadly, um, this also too prompts. The ghosts go after Danny while he's in a weakened state. O- almost overpowering him in the process, which he gets uh, possessed. Uh, I don't know which ghost, but I'm promptly thinking that he's being uh, possessed by his dad. Which is the whole thing. And the place is returning back to the uh, Overlook Hotel. Over- over- Overlook Lodge, so to speak. And uh, to end everything that happens over there, uh, he tells Abra to like get away from him. While there was a moment that he broke free of the possession and reached to the boiler room. So, of course, we end with Danny being reunited with his mom, and being that that small boy that was in the Overlook Hotel. Which gives us Abra, Abra, our new girl uh, with the Shining, dealing with the same thing that um, Danny once did. And he was able to tell her what to do uh, with those abilities. This also prompts uh, just like um, Danny's character with the uh, other gentleman. Uh, the name escapes me, do, do forgive me. That Danny once been told uh, by Holland. Holland? Anyways, uh, the character understood uh, what was going on. And he told Danny how to lock away these spirits. So Danny is taken in the place of Holland. Halloween, uh, spot and telling all Abra how that is. Uh, of course, uh, Doctor Sleep. There was a lot of key differences on many things. Uh, uh, yes, uh, Alexandra uh, Esco, uh, the Canadian actress uh, that was in the movie uh, uh, Midnighters, as well as a uh, 2014 horror film Starry Eyes. Uh, she plays in 
role for Sarah Duvall's character uh, as Wendy Torrance. Well, back then, of course. Uh, also, uh, yeah, uh, Carl uh, Lumbry, uh, who is um, a fantastic, uh, a fantastic uh, actor, uh, done many things in in his roles. He played um, Dick Holloway, uh, who was performed by uh, Scatman. Uh, Cothros, and this whole film kind of has that whole uh, one-around vibe. So, uh, as I promptly uh, bring this episode to a close by giving you a little more tidbits, uh, yes, uh, the second film did give some cameos uh, to certain people, uh, one of which is the original Danny uh, Danny Lloyd, uh, who played <laughs> Danny Torrance, of all people, uh, he had a role, uh, in, uh, in Dr. Sleep, as, uh, one of the adults as well, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, who plays Rose the Hat, uh, gave a stellar performance, her work, uh, in, uh, the slasher, Drowning Ghosts is something to look look forward to down the line. And uh, from both these versions, or at least all three of these films of uh, Doctor Sleep to... Or The Shining to Doctor Sleep, uh, I would say that it should be added to a... Uh, at least in the middle, <laughs> somewhere... Um, for the uh, slasher horror marathon that anyone's planning, so uh, I would recommend to watch The Shining. Um, not the 1997 version because that doesn't feel like a classic. Uh, I would definitely go with the 1980s version, uh, the Kubrick version, because that was promptly uh, right there. As well as been to- kind of noticing that uh, I think Jim Carrey. Uh, played uh, Jack Torrance in Doctor Sleep was uh, well a ballpark out of left field, but still watching Kubrick's version to Doctor Sleep kind of completes the mythos uh, that Stephen King have uh, promptly put together. So I would say uh, both one and the same. As always, I do thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, I will try to make sure that each episode are getting out promptly as much as I am doing this because we are almost in the halfway stretch. We are in nearly the halfway home, so to speak. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a long road. So uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, Have a great one. Uh, And until then, as always, have a good one. Take care. Bye. Hey guys, I want to thank you for uh, listening uh, to my podcast. I'm also know, known to be over at not only Spotify, but as well as... Oh, wow.
I'm also on Spotify, Breaker, uh, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Public uh, Radio Public. So yeah, if you guys uh, want to keep on uh, listening, uh, besides me covering certain stories. Uh, just shoot me a message on my review page uh, over at anchor.fm forward slash Edward dash Castro 5. That is uh, C A S T R O, and as a joke, no relation.